think we take things too seriously sometimes. We get so wrapped up in, in uh, you know, and and just getting everything right. And especially when it comes to church, it's like, you know, it's we get so consumed with like what people think we're supposed to look like or act like or whatever. It's like, man, just enjoy the journey. Welcome to Charisma Connection. My name is Jocelyn Justice, and today I am here with a super special guest, Bart Millard of Mercy Me. Say hello, Bart. Hello, how are you? I am excellent today. Um, we were just discussing before the interview that you are about to get your caffeine fix. How long have you been addicted to coffee? Oh, man, in my my entire adult life, I guess. Um, from the moment I became a musician, it's the only thing that keeps me going. That's totally fair. I started working in a coffee shop when I was in high school, and they had me working some morning shifts, and suddenly I went from not ever drinking it to having, like, five cups a day. It's slightly yeah, problematic. It's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm not, I'm not up to five cups a day, unless I'm, like, in the studio working on an album, so I try to not make it a regular habit, but. I can't function without my first cup, that's for sure. You know, truthfully, I have not actually had coffee today, and I'm not sure how I'm functioning, but we are no, not... you're pretty, pretty <laughs> chipper for not having coffee. I That is <laughs> a perk of me being Jesslyn, but we're not actually here to talk about coffee. We are here to talk about, well, your hit song, which is now a book and a movie that is coming out next year, I Can Only Imagine. Um, and I hyped up before the interview that I had a story about this, and now right. I'm like, this was overhyped, but whatever. I'm going to tell you anyway. So okay. most people associate, like, I can only imagine with, like, a really powerful moment of worship or a funeral or just something that is deeply moving and tearful. And it's great. Like, it's really wonderful. But I first learned about I can only imagine when my instructor made us do a baton routine to it. And it's possible <laughs> I caught the baton in my mouth by accident and it chipped my tooth. And that is my association <laughs> with the song. That may be the best story I've heard. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> Ship tooth and a baton routine. <laughs> yep. It, yes, this... I know. It's a great song. It's a great message. I <laughs> imagine chipping my tooth with it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I could, uh, you could, like, you know, put you in a, a, bad, a bad spot whenever you hear the song. Man, I wish you had a happier memory of that, but it, it made me really happy hearing the story. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Maybe we can replace that memory with this. All right, so your song is about to be turned into a book and a movie. Can you tell us a little bit about the process behind this? Uh, yeah, the, the it's kind of backwards. I guess the movie came first. Uh, I was approached about seven years ago by a, a someone in, out of California that was looking for a... Uh, she apparently been asking around. She had this idea. She wanted to find a... She's asking what the one of the most popular Christian songs were, was at the time, and she wanted to see if there's a story behind it. And they never asked me. They just... She approached me and said she's been asking around, and I guess back then it was... Somebody told her, Shout the Lord, or Imagine, and maybe Shout the Lord didn't have a story behind it or whatever. I don't know, because she came to us second, and I just kind of... I mean, so I don't know if it's much of a story. We just told her how the song came about. You know, after my father, who was abusive most of my life, was diagnosed with cancer, fell in love mm-hmm. with Jesus, and by the time he passed away, he was like my absolute hero and best friend. And that's where the song the song was written. You know, after he passed away, and and uh, just me 
becoming consumed with heaven more than missing my dad. It was almost therapeutic. It definitely got it. The 19 year old got me through it. So I was telling the story and she's like, this is, this is it. I really want to make a movie about this. And we were like, okay, whatever, you know, and that was seven years ago. And so we just never thought it was ever going to happen. And mm-hmm. probably in the last, uh, probably couple, last year and a half or two years was when the Irwin brothers got involved and rewrote the script. And, uh, and, um, and yeah, all of a sudden we, made a movie and uh and it, it 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 turned out pretty good i was i don't know what to expect i've never made a movie i've never been a part of a movie and so but i was just the redemption story and the way they did it was it was really it, it you know it was i don't know i was just really i was really concerned about it being kind of a cheesy christian movie and mm-hmm. so i was real skeptical and and they just they just kind of stuck with telling the story and not having an agenda so to speak and just you know the fact that the true story is that you know, my dad's life was transformed by the gospel, and they stuck with it. Dennis Quaid played my dad, and, and did his, his like his best performance in his career, in my opinion, is unbelievable. And, and so, yeah, it turned out really good. And then when that all came out, and they finished the movie, you know, they're taking most of my life and trying to make it entertaining for about two hours or less. And so, it's obviously a lot of things are are not a hundred percent accurate because the the time frame is kind of mashed up, mm-hmm. where a lot of stuff that happened from three years old to my freshman year in college take place in like my couple of years in high school, just kind of, you know, just they Hollywooded the movie basically and just to get it all in. And so uh, that's when the book uh, opportunity came up. I was approached about kind of writing a memoirs about the actual time frame and when things happen the way, you know, and how they really happen versus the two hour version. So, so yeah. So then next thing you know, we're, you know, finishing a book and, and uh, it's just been a it's been a very surreal last few years to say the least. I wow, I was about to say I can only imagine, and that was not <laughs> done on purpose. And now yeah. I'm like, wow, <laughs> but um, okay. So you mentioned Dennis Quaid plays your dad. Now I am a yeah. child of the '90s, and Dennis Quaid was like the quintessential father and the parent oh. trap. What was it like right. working with a guy who's actually pretty well known in Hollywood? Yeah, he was great. You know, um, um, he was he was incredibly respectful about playing my dad. And the, when I flew out to watch him film some of the scenes, the first ones I walked into were when my dad was diagnosed with cancer and a couple of more really intense scenes of the movie. And so, I just I, when I walked into it, I was kind of it was emotionally just I just I didn't not to, not that I know how to prepare for that, but I wasn't prepared for thing that's kind of played out something that i lived and and uh he was really cool about just after every take pulling me aside saying hey is everything okay is you know i really want to, i really want to kind of honor the role of your dad and just uh he, and he kind of walked me through the process of when the script's not exactly like real life or you know make you know reminding me be sure to say something if it doesn't feel like it's something your dad would do and and so of all people on the set he was the guy that literally like literally held my hand and walked me through the process to make sure everything was okay and then it was done with you know a ton of respect and so uh and so yeah the crazy thing is after he finished filming he's a big music fan and so we've we've stayed in touch we talk about once every you know week or so and and which is like i don't think i'm assuming that's not really the norm but uh (laughs) but yeah he's become a pretty cool friend it's been really cool the whole thing's been like we're back into the surreal (laughs) description again it's just odd that i'm sitting here talking about being a buddy of his but it's uh it's just been a really cool thing i love that now what was it like to see someone playing you 
Uh, you know, it was, um, it was, it was, uh, it was odd. Um, you know, we, I got, I became really close. The guy that plays me, he's named J. Michael Finley, and he was John Valjean and Les Mis on Broadway before he took the part. And so, so he can also sing. That that's good. Yeah, he sings everything in the movie, and so that was the point. What if I play, you know, oh, can he sing? Like, I had to teach him how to dumb it way down to do our parts. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, and so it was cool. The first time I met him, we flew up and saw, them, saw him in Les Mis and met him afterwards. And, you know, his dad's a pastor out of Missouri, and he was like, man, I used to go to Mercy Me concerts when I was a kid. And I was like, oh, really? So we, we just really hit it off. And, uh, and um, yeah, it was, it was, I guess, getting to know him early on, by the time they started filming and shooting it, it was like, we have a, there's so much we have in common and just our personalities and the way we were cutting up, you know, you know, when he's not at work, I just felt really comfortable. This guy, yeah, he's, you know, he's definitely the right guy for the role when he gets it. And, and, uh, and he's literally like, uh, just in his mannerisms and his sense of humor and stuff, he could be like a brother to me. And oh, wow. Kind of, I mean, I, I guess that's the that's good casting because they they knew before I did and I was like man this guy is like creeping me out a little bit because he's, <laughs> he's like a relative or something like that so it was in good hands and so by the time we started shooting I was totally at ease with it and just uh, I was able to kind of separate myself and watch it as a really great performance and oh my gosh this guy's playing me the only time that it really would mess with me is whenever there'd be a line or something to where you know Dennis Quaid or somebody would say my name out loud that kind of freaked me mm-hmm. out at times and then. My dad wore this work shirt, like he worked for this, you know, the Howie person. I had Millard on like his little patch, like his little blue shirt. And so that was really odd to see that, to glance at that. And like, you're like, man, this is, it's, yeah, the whole thing is just, just really, just really weird. And But it's cool, man. It's, uh, you know, I'd be mortified if it turned to be a bad movie. And, you know, it's like, you know, and it's like, oh, no, it's, but it's, it turned out good. I'm really proud of it. And hopefully people will be moved by it. Now, there is a verse in Ephesians that I cannot think of the exact re- exact reference right now, and it's killing me, but it says that God is going to do much, much more than we can ask or imagine. How has that really been fulfilled with this song that you wrote just for your dad? Oh, man. I mean, it's it's pretty much every way possible it's happened. I mean, you know, I wrote the song in 1999, and, you know, it ran its course in the Christian music and then in mainstream music, and then we're you know, gosh, we're almost 19 years later and it's still, you know, going on 19 years and it's still, uh, it's still around. It's a song that won't go away is what we kind of, well, we, we called it. And I think somebody told us, uh, gosh, I think at iTunes, it's been a while ago, but iTunes, we were told that it, it had been in the top 10 Christian iTunes charts for 14 years. Oh, wow. Like that at one point. And it was like, and yeah, it was just, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, yeah, it's done a billion times more than we ever thought possible. We knew it was special and it was special to us, but we had no idea that, you know, if somebody would have told me, hey, these 50 things are going to happen because of the song or whatever, I would think you're crazy, you know? And so it's a, it just continues to blow our mind that, that, uh, you know, that it keeps going the way that it does and, and such, you know, such random ways like the movie and all those stuff. So. So, yes, it has certainly exceeded my expectations. I love it. Um, was it last week, I guess, that the Grammy nominations officially came out? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? How is that process going? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it was last week. Uh, we're, uh, we're really excited. I mean, you know, we've we've 
been a part and we've won a lot of stuff. We've never won a Grammy. And so we're, you know, I think we've been nominated like 14 times. You're hoping this is the like year that. that you've got this. Well, it, it, well, I just think it's like a, a, of all the awards and accolades, they, they really don't mean a lot, but there's something about just being a fan of music that it's a Grammy. It's like, that's the thing that, of everything that we've accomplished, mm-hmm. that'll be the thing that my, my kids 50 years from now be like, look at, you know, this Grammy amazing. So, so yeah, it's kind of like, it, it would be cool to win, but, uh, but I think more so not just to win, but with the, even if being the song is nominated in this album, Life it was like, it, it's, it's our, in my opinion, our best attempt that we've ever done with anything. And so it just, I was really excited that it got nominated because it's like, you know, we put our heart and soul into it and to be, to be recognized as a really cool honor. And, and most importantly, I get to go to the Grammys for free. So that's, that's there is that's that a win right there. You yeah. get to dress up all fancy and bring your family and your bandmates right. and eat pizza yeah. beforehand. That's how that works, right? Yes, exactly. So yeah, it's, it's so funny. Whenever you get nominated, that's all that my wife. That she's like, "Oh, you can dress up and go to the show. It's awesome." So congratulations. So yeah, so it's cool. It's, I mean, we're not. You know, we kind of we don't really expect to win, but it's cool to go and be a part of it for sure. I should maybe marry a Grammy-nominated musician because then I can finally rewear those bridesmaids dresses that have been sitting in my closet for the last five years. There you go. Yes, that's a weird thing to put on your resume. <laughs> looking for someone, but Grammy-nominated, talking about bridesmaid dresses. I don't know if my boyfriend would appreciate that. All right. So, also switching notes a little bit, the song "Happy Dance." is one of yeah. my favorite songs. We actually, I first learned it because it's one of our routines in Jazzercise. Um, now oh, that nice. Christian music has kind of like become a little bit more, our producer is laughing at me right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. Now that Christian so music. Swirling to Jazzercise. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> awesome. You didn't know that was happening, did you? Surprise. Yeah, just don't don't to Jazzercise, right? Yes. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, now that a lot of Christian music has kind of shifted more to a worship thing, which isn't bad, um, how does a happy dance type song just really like bring out the joy and the fun of celebrating who we are in Christ? How does it? Um, Man, it's just, uh, yeah, I think we take things too seriously sometimes. We get so wrapped up in, in, uh, you know, in, in just getting everything right, and especially when it comes to church, and it's like, you know, it's we get so consumed with like what people think we're supposed to look like or act like or whatever. It's like, man, just enjoy the journey, man. Enjoy the fact that you're you're covered and it's and what dwells inside of you. And so it's it's just a yeah. So it's like you know, it, I think of my kids. The, the the whole joke behind it was our kids. Uh, you know, we're not very good dancers, and it's a surprise. It's okay, I'm us, not either in the band. But we, we love to embarrass our teenage kids, and so we've done it forever. And so we've done stuff on social media and, like, a video to shake where we're looking like fools. And so at some point, the kids are like, could you stop doing that? You know, like, <laughs> my reputation's on the line, which made us want to do it more. And so and so we thought it'd be funny if we wrote a song called Happy Dance just so that our kids would live in fear, <laughs> knowing that something was coming. And it kind of back, it backfired because it became their favorite song we've done. And so mm. we had to listen to the song a billion times and so so yeah but it's you know it's uh but it's pretty fun to watch them I, you know happy dance it's like it's that's just been a thing for us I mean, probably for a lot of people for a long time if, if we're bowling and roll the strike everybody does a happy dance if it's mm-hmm. the meal we're wanting to eat we do a happy dance whatever and so it's just a big part of our lives so i just thought it'd be funny to write a song that had to do with that and uh, and yeah and it's uh it's pretty awesome it's become kind of a 
a cult hit on our shows. Like we end our shows the happy dance and people start screaming for it about halfway through the show. I'm like, y'all got to calm down. It's coming. But, yeah, <laughs> I would be that person. Make, make more friends. <laughs> Okay, I have yeah, plenty so. of friends. Thank you very much. Um, no, not you. I'm just saying, when they start screaming and getting that excited, I'm like, man. And I would have to say, going back to when you said that this is one of your songs in Jazzercise, if you would have stopped before Jazzercise, I wouldn't have guessed that you were about to say Jazzercise if I had 100 choices. <laughs> I'm like, that baton twirling and Jazzercise being in the same conversation makes it a pretty special interview. You're welcome. <laughs> and Chip, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we... Yeah, I mean, it's mostly secular music, but occasionally we have some of your guys' stuff. We'll pull Toby Mac in sometimes. And, like, I mean, I'm just a – I'm not an instructor. I'm just an attendee, and I'm a really That's bad so attendee awesome. at that. But, hey, <laughs> uh, it happens. You've actually answered all my questions for today. Do you have anything else you'd like to tell our audience? No, this is great. This is a great interview. Thank you. All right. Well, before we let you go, could you please pray us out and pray for our listeners? Sure, Absolutely. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity just to, to do anything that we can just to bring glory to your name. And uh, and I think laughing is one of the most underrated moments to do that, God. And just uh, thank you for the opportunity just to be in your presence. And I pray for the listeners to this podcast, God, that they just uh, that they continually find you and everything that they do and bring glory to your name. And, and God, just, just remind them of the joy that they have in their lives and just to enjoy every moment that we have on this earth with you in us. Uh, and God, just uh, thank you for the opportunity once again. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Regent University is one of the fastest growing universities in the nation, experiencing 21% growth from summer 2016 to summer 2017. This fully accredited university offers associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees within an innovative learning environment that includes the option of enrolling solely on campus in Virginia Beach, Virginia, 100% online, or you can use a blend of both. Since its establishment in 1978, Regent has equipped 23,000 alumni from 125 countries to become accomplished professionals. Guided by a mission of Christian leadership to change the world, the school prepares students with the knowledge to excel and the faith to live with purpose. To learn more or to request information, just visit learn.regent.edu. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.